we had an elders meeting last week, so we didn't talk about the Mishkan. One of the things that Ray talked about is this idea that we're reading a set of blueprints, and unless you're the engineer who has got to build something with the blueprints, reading a set of blueprints seems kind of dry. But I will suggest to you that as you read these blueprints, if you know what you're looking at and pay attention to what you're looking at, that you'll find a whole lot of spiritual things in the blueprints. So what I want to do is talk to you about the Mishkan and how it's organized. Can I have my slide, Grant? What the slide will show is a schematic of the Mishkan. I used this slide a couple of years ago when I was talking about packing up the Mishkan. So those of you who were here a couple of years ago will recognize the slide. This is the front of the Mishkan where you've got the five pillars coming in. Then you've got this area in the center here, which is the holy place. And then you've got the four pillars here, which separate the holy place from the holy of holies. There's lots of ways to talk about this, and we'll talk about some of them during Midrash. The way I want to talk about it is in terms of making a place for someone you love. Now, what the Mishkan represents is Israel making a place for the God that they love to dwell among them. And if I were building some place for somebody I loved, which I have done several times, every time we've moved we've rebuilt houses, so if I were building something for someone I loved, I would want to build it in such a way that that person would be comfortable in it. I mean, you wouldn't build something for someone you love to make them uncomfortable. So what kind of a place is God comfortable in? Think about that a second. If you're building something for the God that you love and you want it to be some place where he's going to be comfortable, what would that look like? Now, let me suggest that there's a way to figure this out. And this is not original with me. I think I got it from Rabbi Foreman. God, when he created the universe, made a place that's comfortable for us. As he created this place, this place where he was going to put us, who he loves, what he did is he made stuff that would make us comfortable, give us the opportunity to thrive. So if we look at what he did to make a place for us and then reverse it, we should have some idea of what it would look like where God would be comfortable. We're not God. And so the place that he makes for us is not designed for him. So if we back out what he designed for us, then we get an idea of what he was in. And talking about God being in something is awkward. And please don't hold me to the theology here. God is not in anything. God is. But I'm going to use that because I'm talking about architecture and it makes sense to say it that way. I am not confused at all. God is not in some place. So if we back out the stuff that he made for humans, then we should be able to figure out what it would look like a place that's comfortable for God. In Genesis 1, there are three separations. And what I will suggest to you is this Mishkan is set up with three separations. And it's set up with three separations in several different ways, and I'm not going to talk about all of them. In Genesis, we're in the garden. We can't keep our hands off of the forbidden fruit. So God says, out of the garden, 
And what does he do to separate us from the garden? You got cherubim at the entrance of the garden with flaming swords, right? So the function of a cherubim is to separate us from the place where he doesn't want us to be anymore. Are there any cherubim in this Mishkan? How many? Three sets. Three sets of cherubim in the tabernacle. Now let's go back to Genesis 1. How many separations of Delote are there in Genesis 1? Three, right? So there's three separations in Genesis 1 where God separates things or divides things. There are three sets of cherubim in the tabernacle, and I'm suggesting to you that those cherubim represent separations because that's their original function, right? Separates us from the garden and keeps us from crossing it. So what you then have is three sets of cherubim which affect separation. You have three separations in Genesis 1 as he created a place for us. So if we look at the three separations that he made in Genesis 1 in creating a place for us, and we back out those three separations, which is what the cherubim are designed to do in the tabernacle, then what we should wind up with is a place for God. So let's look at the three separations in Genesis 1. First thing he separates is light from darkness, doesn't he? He says, let there be light, and then he separates the light from the darkness. And in fact, dark light is more prevalent in the universe than the light that we can see. Astronomers are finally figuring that out. So the separating of light and darkness, the darkness is not simply the absence of light, the darkness is something. So we have the separation of dark from light. Then we have a separation of waters above and below. And what do you have in between waters above and below? I'll give you a hint. We're not designed to live in the water. It's all water. He did that once, didn't he? You know, with the flood, it was all water. What happened to us? We didn't make it. Seven did, but most of us didn't. So in separating the waters, what he does is he creates a space for us. We exist in the place between the water below and the water above. So what he did is created space for us. What was the third thing that he did? He separated the day from the night. How did he mark that, by the way? The greater light and the lesser light. So what you have then in the separation of days and nights and the greater light and the lesser light is you have the creation of time. You know, the marking of time. That's what they're designed for, right? You know, that's how we count time. You know, you got daylight, night, years and the months and all that kind of stuff are all marked for us by the greater light and the lesser light, the sun and the moon. So you have then separation of dark from light, creation of space, and then the creation of time and those three separations. What I'm asserting to you is if we back out those three separations, what we're going to wind up with is a picture of something where God is comfortable living as opposed to the world where we're comfortable living. If he had to do those three separations to get a place for us to live, if we back out those three separations, we got to then a place for God to live. Now, we need to think about this from our perspective, not from God's perspective, because that's who we are. We can't think of things from God's perspective because that's really hard. But from our perspective, as you are walking up to the Mishkan, the first thing that you encounter, the first set of cherubim that you encounter are where? You don't actually encounter them, you walk under them. 
You have a set of cherubim that are woven into the ceiling of the tabernacle. And you walk in there, and you're inside the tabernacle, and you look up, and can you see the sun and the moon anymore? You can't. So what happens as you walk into the tabernacle, underneath that first set of cherubim, what he's done is we have backed out the sun and the moon. So we have entered a place that's timeless. So now we're standing there, and just for grins, let's say that you're a Kohen, and your job is to light the altar of incense there, so you're standing right there. You are now in a place that is underneath the first set of cherubim, so you're in a place that is timeless, quote-unquote. What's the next set of cherubim you encounter? The curtain. And that curtain has got cherubim woven into it. So that's your second set of cherubim. And you go past that, and this is where it gets weird. Just telling you now, folks, it's going to get weird at this point. If you read the dimensions of everything as it's described in the Torah, what you discover is that there is no space there for the box, the Ark of the Covenant. I'm just going to assert that right now. You can go back and look at it. But if you add up the numbers, you discover that the Ark of the Covenant takes up no space, even though it's a cubit and a half wide and all that kind of stuff. If you measure from side to side, there's no place for it. So what you've done is you pass that second set of cherubim is you have gone into a place where there is no space. So we just backed out time. We just now backed out space. And now, if we are the high priest, which is a stretch because half of you are women and that isn't going to work, and most of you are not sons of Aaron, so that's not going to work. But let's assume for a moment that you're the high priest, okay? So now, you're standing inside the curtain and... What are you faced with? A third set of cherubim, aren't you? And that third set of cherubim separates you from what? The Torah. Because the Torah is inside the box, inside the ark, right? So the third set of cherubim separating you from Torah. It's going to get weird again. Letting you know, it's going to get weird again. What do the rabbis say about the letters of the Torah. What they are is black fire written on a ground of white fire. That's what the rabbis say, is that the Torah is letters of black fire written on a ground of white fire. So what you have then is that third set of cherubim is separating darkness from light. So now what you have is you have gone from outside of the Mishkan, outside of the tabernacle, you have systematically backed out the three separations that God made to create a place for us. And so symbolically then what we have done is we have backed out creation and we are now in a place where God is comfortable. And again, don't take that entirely literally. I'm not trying to assert that God is uncomfortable somewhere. All right, I said two things. I said that what we have done, we, Israel, has done in making the Mishkan is they have created a place where the beloved God is comfortable so that he can dwell among them. What God did in creation is he created a place where we are comfortable. Now, before creation, there was just God, nothing but God. 
And so in order for God to create a place for us, what had to happen is God had to back out of some place. Because if there's just God, then there's no place for us. So in order to make a place for us, he had to contract, to back out, to create a space where he could create the entire universe, you know, small thing, creates the entire universe by backing out and creating a space, and in that space then he creates a place for his beloved, us. And what we do, of course, when we create the miscon is we back out of a space and we create this place for God. All right, now, a space for the beloved. Now I'm going to change direction on you. We're made in the image of God. Male and female, he created him. And male and female together are one. Let's talk about the womb of a woman and what happens in the womb of a woman when she conceives. She now has a place inside of her for the beloved. And it's a place just like this universe that we are in is a place where God backed out and created a space for us to grow. What you have in the womb of a woman is, since we're made in the image of God, a place where a child can grow. What's popular right now in the world is the idea that a woman's body is her own. And what I'm suggesting to you is that's not true. Until she conceives, it is. But once she conceives for a time, it is not her own anymore. It is now a space for somebody else. And when that conception is finished and that time of pregnancy is done and she releases a child into the world, and by the way, you have a release of water and blood, which is the same thing that happens when Israel goes through the door. That's birth. And what was the world born out of? What was there initially? Genesis 1. What was there initially before God started doing all the separation? Water. So the universe was born out of water. A child is born out of water. God backed out of a place to create a place for us to grow. We backed out of a part of the world to create a place for God to live. Once we create that, it no longer belongs to us, it belongs to Him. Once He creates the world, it no longer belongs to Him, it belongs to us. That's why He gave us dominion. Once a woman conceives, that part of her body no longer belongs to her, it belongs to the child for a time. And as I say, one of the things that happened in the garden when we ate of the wrong fruit is we wanted to be autonomous. We wanted to be a law unto ourselves. That's what autonomy means. Auto, self, nomos, law, autonomy. That's what it means. We wanted to be a law unto ourselves. And the outworking of that has come to the point where it's my body. I get to do with it whatever I want. And what I'm saying is from the beginning it was not so. It never has been so. It's a lie. And all you have to do is look at the Mishkan. Look at the Mishkan, look at the creation, and recognize that we are made in that image. So, go out and act in the image of God. <laughs>